You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, we got a fun episode of CarCast today. Our friend Alistair Weaver from Edmonds is in the studio. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Dodge. Visit your local Dodge dealer where they bring you power, performance, and great deals. There's never been a better time now because Dodge is offering power dollars. With power dollars, you'll get $10 off each horsepower of your new car. Every 2019 Dodge Charger, every 2019 Challenger. That means you can pull away in a 2019 Dodge Charger RT Scat Pack with 485 horsepower and receive an almost $5,000 cash allowance. So you get more power and get more off. It's that simple. So hurry into your local Dodge dealer today and take advantage of Dodge Power Dollars. All right, let's do it. Hey, welcome to CarCast. I am Matt, the moderator, D'Andrea. Uh, our buddy Big Bill Goldberg is uh, on set filming uh, NCIS Los Angeles today. However, we've got our BFF in the car world, Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com here in the studio. How are you? Your BFF. I like that. <laughs> you're I'm our, good, thanks. You're our, you're our car guy BFF. Alistair Weaver is the uh, editor-in-chief of, of Edmunds.com. You've seen him in the videos. You've heard him on the show. You can follow him on Twitter. He's Alistair Weaver on Twitter, and he's Weavometer on Instagram. We'll hit that again later. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Dodge with uh, Dodge Power Dollars. For every horsepower of your new Dodge vehicle purchase, you'll get $10 off. So peeling out in a Dodge and a 2019 Dodge Charger RT Scat Pack, you'll get $4,580 off. Big horsepower. Uh, good to see you again. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you? Good. Just got back from uh, Arizona Auction Week. Is it Scottsdale Auction Week? I don't know what the actual term is, like Monterey, like Monterey Auction yeah. Week or Monterey Car Week or not. But, uh, oh, man, a bunch of uh, bunch of auctions going on out there. I don't hit up all of them. There's uh, there's some new one out there. There's Russo and Steel. There's uh, Bonhams. I usually hit up uh, RM Sotheby's, yeah. uh, Gooding and Company, and uh, Barrett-Jackson. Um, it's it's great to see the cars, and it's also just a big social thing as well. And uh, uh, and uh, so we'll, we'll touch a little bit on that. But one of the things I noticed while I was out there, you and I were just chatting a second ago, and probably pretty good lead lead into uh, some of the emails and news you're <laughs> reading about in front of you as we speak, was a lot of the exotic cars. Eh, not a lot. Some of the exotic cars. And a lot of the classic vintage cars that we talk about on this show all the time, especially the the show with Adam Carolla, didn't do as well as they had done in the year. Now, Monterey this past year, the auctions took a hit, about a 30% hit. Yeah, it was a in, disaster, wasn't it? Was there, car yeah. Market. yeah. And uh, an example, a car that we both like, is the uh, the Porsche 911 Turbo, the air-cooled, the 993, the last mm. of the 911. You mean the 993 uh, that I own? Yeah, yeah. yeah not the yeah. Turbo. Yeah, I not the Turbo. Uh, but just before you bought yours, <laughs> the Turbos were in the hundred and eighty dollars to $200,000 range. And I saw a gorgeous black-on-black 911 Turbo, 993 Turbo, go at Gooding. I think it was a no reserve car, 
And uh, don't quote me on it. I think the hammer price was somewhere around one hundred and thirty-six thousand. So maybe it's uh, one hundred and fifty grand all in. Yeah, it's still a hell of a lot of money. I mean, I bought my original nine nine three in the UK uh, probably about ten years ago now. I paid twenty-five sterling. So what's that? Just over thirty thousand dollars at today's money. And that doubled in value. And eventually, when I moved to the US, I sold it there and then bought the same car over here because because yeah. I loved it. Um, still do. But I think it's it's a bit like when you buy property, you just imagine the market has been so strong for so long that you just imagine it keeps going up and up and up. But as somebody whose London house has gone down in value recently and everything else, you, you have to realize that that's not always going to be the case. Yeah. Uh, and you know maybe the market's having a correction and there's lots of people suddenly getting their fingers burned. And- well, I, I don't mean to pick on your people, but – British cars don't hold their value that well, and uh, you know, and there was yeah, a, but that's German. Yeah, well, I know it is, but but Maybe. some of the cars that I was surprised about were, uh, for example, McLaren. Now, yeah. for a long time, the British cars, even the, the the classic cars, weren't really bringing up their value. You know, there's the E type and things like that, uh, but it wasn't until like. Jaguar started getting, you know, some of their really expensive Le Mans, you know, racing yeah. cars in, and then they started pulling fifteen million dollars. But uh, but for you know, for the longest time, it's just like you're 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 buying Rolls Royce, you're buying Bentleys, you're buying McLarens, you know, you're spending three four hundred thousand dollars on a bespoke Rolls Royce, and then you know, eighteen months later, you could buy it for you know one fifty, and but- and. And the big surprise to me was I get all of these car companies. They try to do special edition cars to make that car retain its value. It's probably a little bit more profitable for them and it's a great PR thing. But really it has a lot to do with creating some value for that car. I mean you do – you know, you do – you know, Ferrari has a few of theirs as well and and those always seem to do well. And Porsche, by God, I don't know how many – they really milk the 911 platform, right? Like they do, but I think they've done it. I mean, they have lots of various. They don't. They're not big on. I mean, they have the speedsters and stuff, but generally they have a, a pattern. And with Porsche, what you don't, you only see very rarely like paint jobs and that sort of thing. I mean, there was the right, 911 T, and then yeah. there's 911 Turbo exclusive, the uh, the gold yeah, where one. Yeah, you keep going and, and going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a few of those. And by the way, I saw one of those sell at Gooding as well, and they were still getting pretty decent money for them. You know. But uh, two McLaren Senna's came up, and I believe one of them was at Gooding, and it did have a reserve. Uh, it it got a high bit of a million dollars and didn't sell. People were buying them for a million dollars when they were new. And not only that, they probably had to have a history with McLaren and had to uh, 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 be on a list or fill out an application or like go through that process, right? Uh, another one, which is no reserve at Barrett-Jackson um, – it got to like eight thirty six, and it sold because it's no reserve. I know the guy who bought it, and he's just like, I had to get it. He's going to end up selling it. He owns a dealer. He's going to end up selling it, but he's just going to bring it home, put it in a showroom. If it sits there for eighteen months, it's going to sit there. For I hope it months. goes back up. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting. It's interesting. If you had said to me, you know, a couple of years back when they said, I mean, it's a McLaren with the Senna name, you know, tiny, tiny numbers, race car off the road. It was so much buzz around it. If you'd said, like, where's a solid place to put a million dollars, you'd have said that was a pretty good bet. I'm telling you, uh, like, 
the the idea of waiting to be on that list, being selected yeah. a la Ferrari, right? If you look at La Ferrari, look at Enzo, if you were selected to buy one of those at essentially sticker price, because that's how Ferrari yeah. does it, sure, Ferrari sends you the letter and says, hey, congratulations, we're going to take $1.5 million yeah. of your money for a La Ferrari. But the guy writing that check goes, sweet, free money, because he knows that's going to be a $2 million car as soon as his contract yeah. is up and he's allowed to sell it if he chooses to sell it. Yeah, which was like the whole thing with the Ford, um, the Ford GT as well. Mm-hmm. Was that, but actually, I was looking at that saying, well, you know, do you, if you can find the money and you can get on the list, does this make sense? But yeah, sooner or later, people get their fingers burned. I think one of the interesting McLaren has done a lot of these recently. And actually, yeah. as we're sitting on here next week, I'm off to the, the launch of the Elva yeah. uh, here in, here in L- L.A., and you've got, I think as a brand, you've got to be careful. These things have got to be special. And Ferrari's falling into this trap as well. If you just do too many, then the special edition ceases to be to be special. Yeah. And we all remember kind of our generation, you know, growing up with 959s and F40s and things like that. But they were a once a decade car. And now in this world, yeah. everyone wants everything bespoke and what have you. These are these cars are tripping over every every month. Every every you know it feels. And Lamborghini does quite a few yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so they they just cease to be as special. Um, and yeah. maybe also you know the world's changing a bit, and people are looking around saying, you know, it's all about perception as well, isn't it? I guess so. But listen, when you talk about four GT. This was a big moment in uh, in the car auction history as, uh, in regards to the Ford GT owners because everybody that bought one that filled out that application, we went through this whole John Cena debacle yeah. with him selling it. Buying the Ford GT, you had a two-year contract. And the first allocation of cars from 2017, the contract is up, and now every auction out there had a Ford GT, right? Uh, I think Barrett-Jackson had two of them. Uh, Gooding, RM, they everybody had a Ford GT. People were buying these cars for what between five and six hundred thousand, yeah. maybe maybe in the five fifty range with a few options in the carbon packages, five eighty, five ninety, somewhere in that range. The estimates for these cars were seven fifty to a million. That's what they thought they're going to be. Yeah, yeah. They were hammering for one point one, one point two, one point three. They were they're almost doubling the estimates, all in with the fees. Anybody that was looking to sell their Ford GT yeah. made out good. It's funny, isn't it? American cars seem to be doing well, and you know, Porsches yeah. will always be Porsche. But a lot of it, I think, is also to do with. I was talking to Audi many years ago, and they they realized with the with the with the original Quattro, uh, the early eighties car, which all the rally success and everything else, they never really supported that car. So Porsche has always been very good at continuing to manufacture parts and mm-hmm. having the stock, and Audi just hasn't. And Lotus as well never really supported the old cars in the way that they might have done, and that's just hammering values. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting world right now. Yeah, and there was a '91 Lotus Elan convertible at uh, at RM front wheel drive one. Yeah, the front wheel drive with yeah. the Isuzu engine. Yeah, okay, this was blue. Which that was, was so cool back in the day. I had one. Did you? Yeah, so I had one. And uh, it wasn't that good, but it was fun and it was quick and it handled great. Uh, but it, it was it was fidgety for sure, and it had I don't know just something about the interior. Like the interior would always fall apart, like, just wear through on the seats and things like that. It, it wasn't that great, but this this uh, but it was a lot of fun to drive. That at the time was the the front wheel drive. It was the front the wheel front drive, wheel drive yeah. alternative, and and then of course the Elise came along. Yeah. not too you know a few years later. 
But uh, RM had this uh, had this blue one that was nice and very low miles, like 450 miles or something on it. And it was a great color combination on it. And the interior was perfect. The thing was perfect in every way. And, you know, it got, I don't know, 40000 bucks, which is, yeah. I still think, kind of high. But I guess with those miles. And, and you know, there's there's been quite a few of that at the auctions recently. The really low mile cars, the '93 Cobras that sold for 120 yeah, something, I mean, 143. Was... The Cobra R's, but one had 330 miles, the other had like 30 something miles on it. And uh, and I like the '93. I like the Cobra R model, but I wouldn't mind like taking it out on the weekend or doing yeah. like a cars and coffee, well, yeah, cars and brunch. I don't like to get up that early. But uh, <laughs> but taking it out to something like that. But if it's got thirty six miles on it, you can't. No, you know, if you buy it, it's still wrapped in plastic. You got to keep it wrapped in plastic. I'm not. I'm just not there yet. I'm not. I'm not that museum car guy. Yet. No, I, I don't ever want to be that guy. I don't. And want it was the to. same way. Even when I, I got the nine nine three, was there were cars with thirty thousand miles on them, and a they're a lot more expensive, and I didn't want to spend the money. But also, I didn't have the money to spend. But actually. I just want to be able to go out and, and enjoy it and not think, oh, if I take it a mono, oh, that's just knocked $3,000 off the value. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I was in a Mercedes dealer over the weekend, and so I was fiddling with my phone matches because I want to bring up this picture. They had a GTR, which is the AMG GTR. That's the one with all the silly wings based on the GT3 race car. The Mercedes okay, so, AMG. so the GT is the two-door sports car, not yeah. the four-door coupe No, this is the two-door. this is the two-door coupe. What do they call the four-door version? The AMG GT. AMG GT. Yeah. They don't call it a four-door? Because they, no, they, they have the coupe. They have the two-door. Yeah, which is just the GT. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, know. I know I should know this. <laughs> yeah, I don't, they've I got don't. so much going on at the moment. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the GT sedan is the four-door, which looks a bit like the CLS, but yeah. isn't a CLS. Yeah, I get like it. All right. So you went to look anyway, at the sports car. Don't ruin my anecdote. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I happened to be in a Mercedes dealership looking yeah. at something completely different. They had a GTR there which is basically based on the GT3 race car, sort of Kermit green with wings and all sorts of carbon fiber. MSRP 225. Yeah. Uh, it said a little sticker here. I mean, they've even, they haven't even bothered to print it out properly. Uh, plus market adjustment, 100K. Oh, my gosh. 325, uh, to drive away. I was thinking, who's going to buy that? I don't. I just don't even get me fired up on the goddamn dealer markups. It, it, it's. Uh, I, I just looked at that and I just thought this is this is nuts. And I know you've been driving around in a super and there's some heavy markups on early super. But if you bought a there if you bought you bought were. a super with a heavy markup on it, it in the early days, you're going to get kicked right in uh-uh. the beanbag because yeah. I'm telling you, don't pay those markups. Don't pay those markups. Can I do a neat segue of my own? Yes. Because we've just been driving the new GT500, and we have one uh, on 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 its way yeah. that we're picking up super soon. I think we can talk about that uh, next time because the car's basically arrived. We just got to go and pick it up. But we've just done a drag race with with the GT500, the the ZL1, and the uh, the wide body uh, Hellcat. And you know, GT500 is another one which will probably be a lot of it going over sticker. Yeah. The, so basically, we had every vehicle in. In the, so you, the faster spec as you can possibly get it. So a ZL1 1LE Camaro, a Dodge Challenger Hellcat Red Eye Wide Body. Try putting that okay. on Twitter. And uh, and then the GT500 with the carbon pack with everything on it. The okay. car we're buying hasn't got the carbon pack on it. The ZL1 well. was the automatic? Yeah, they're all auto. They're all Apart from the, the GT500 is that double clutch right, right. sort of auto. But, but they're all essentially auto or have an auto yeah. mode. Yeah, and launch. They're control. American, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and launch control. 
Yeah. So when we did the, the we we launched a drag race film, which I suspect many people listening have actually seen because we got 1.3 million views in four days, which I, is just crazy. I'm like four of those views. I am because <laughs> I watched it several times, and uh, I kept getting into it, getting into it, getting into it, it. Yeah, and we have on on Thursday we were actually launching the triple test. So we did a huge thing with these because we took them all down our test track. We ran all the figures on them. We then took them out to a proving ground in in Mojave, and then did a did a drag race. But have also done a, a thorough test. The film's about thirty odd minutes, so it's a, it's basically a TV show on YouTube. When, when you're comparing the three cars like that together, you've already tested a Red Eye and a ZL1. When and you take it out to your test board. track, do you do you do it again just to get them all in the same? Same day, same temperature, or or how much do you pull from the archives on previous testing versus getting all three cars out there again? We generally like to get them all together because also you know there's also so many variants of these things. Is it mm-hmm. is it a Hellcat? But is it a wide body? Is it a red eye, etc.? So we try and get them all together. We can with every testing that we do, we do do a, um, a correction for things like well, we, we can we can correct in the figures yeah. to make sure that everything is apple, apples to apples and we even do things like think about what time of day and manage for temperature and so there's there's a lot of science goes into it in, and we always you know make sure the full tanks etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's a there's, there's a lot go into it and then and then so that when we have the figures and there's a lot of bravado in our industry about, oh, we've got, you know, you talk to the road and track guys, oh, we, we did it in 3.1, oh, we were 3.15. But actually what we're trying to say, because we're trying to park the egos, is actually say this is apples for apples. So this is in, you know, the same conditions with the same fuel loads and everything else. Right. You don't need to be, you don't need to be the site or the book or whatever who goes fastest in a no, GT500. I mean, we, we know that. We don't need to. We don't need to. <laughs> gotcha. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know in my, about, I know in my heart that I'm talented. Yeah. <laughs> he knows he's going to be the best. It's just either way. Um, I'm so fast I didn't even do it myself. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. You could you got a team of people do it. Um so tell us a little bit about the different variations of the cars if you have it in front of you. Like what what do the cars weigh? So this is this is actually the um the critical the critical thing because yeah. if you without wishing to give the film away the GT500 wins uh, the yeah. drag race video. We can get into the other video that you've been teasing. Oh uh, yeah, the we, full test we, video. Yeah, but yeah, GT500 not only just well. wins. By the way, it I, I wish Bill was on the phone because <laughs> it, it just kills the wide in, in a big way. <laughs> Um, and then and, and the Chevy well, as well. His is a thousand horsepower. So. <laughs> well, actually, this is I know he's not here, but we really want to get Bill to do it. We need like a round two with Bill's yeah, car. Yeah, you really do. Then we got to get Leah Pritchett out there, Pruitt. I changed her name back to Pruitt. Get her out there to drive it for him. Yeah, <laughs> drag race it for him. That's a little bit of a ringer episode, but sure. I think that would be great. And one of, one of the things that we did do is run. Uh, run launch control in all of them to basically level the playing fields and say, okay, yeah. this, this is fair because they're so traction limited. These cars, I mean, they're traction limited in second and third gear. So, it, and we had to warm the tires up, and the, like the Camaro was on super sticky tires, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of management of that. But if you just look at the at the mass, and this is, I think, you know, everybody talks about muscle cars, but this is the thing you've really got to look at. The Camaro weighs three thousand eight hundred ninety-two pounds, and these are off our scales. This is not manufacturer figures. When you weigh them, it, it's it's what? How much fuel is in the car? That's when full of fuel. So f- full tanks. Yeah, full tanks. Yeah, uh, no driver. Yeah, it's not like where you get OEMs that, that sort of strip everything out. So it's a, it's an unreal it's an unreal figure. So it's full full tanks, no driver. Uh, the um, Hellcat. 
Well, actually, let me think. So, three eight nine two for the for the Chevy, four thousand and fifty eight pounds the GT five hundred. How much do you think a Hellcat is? Okay, so there's about sixty pounds difference between. The there's a hundred pound, a hundred and a uh, little bit more than that, hundred and fifty, hundred seventy. Oh, hundred fifty pounds. Yeah. Oh, it's a thirty thirty eight ninety. It's a thirty nine Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's about one hundred and fifty pounds between the two, and then and then the red eye. I'm gonna say is a little more portly. A little more. Portly. <laughs> I'm gonna say forty two. No, it's forty five twenty seven. Oh my gosh! So it just that, and so when you then look at the pounds per horsepower, the Camaro comes out at six point zero, five point seven for the Hellcat because it's got more power. But yeah. it's got you know that one has got. Uh, seven ninety seven. So seven ninety seven horsepower for the Hellcat, six fifty for the Camaro, seven sixty. I mean, they're all insane figures. Seven sixty for the GT five hundred. But when you translate that into the all important power to weight pounds per horsepower, six for the Chevy, five point seven for the for the for the Fat Boy, and five point <laughs> three for the GT five hundred. And then when you put that onto the onto the track, zero to sixty, which is super traction limited. GT500 fastest at 3.8, wide body at 4.2, and then on the quarter mile, GT500 11.3 at 130.7, and then the wide body, although the power is now helping you, it's still at 11.7, 127. So yeah, that that big difference on 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 the mass makes such a huge difference. Wow, and, it's amazing. And then on the on the on the lateral G as well, on on the skid pad. The Camaro was on was on super sticky tires, one point one point two one G, GT five hundred one point one seven, and then one one G for the uh, for the Hellcat. I mean, they're all when, when you start getting into the one G versus the one point one G. Yeah, it's these are finite numbers, and they make all the difference when you're reading it. Who who feels that? I think. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, you've got a fairly honed backside Look, to, if to you feel said, it. You? If you said. 0.9 versus 1.1 there there could be some noticeable difference in a performance environment on a yeah. track or something but if you're saying 1 versus 1.1 or 105 versus 111 it's like eh. well it's also what are, what are these cars about because in the olden days it was just about going fast in a straight line yeah. but actually 1.2g is 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 a serious performance it's and- serious and by the way you can probably alter that with just i don't know Potentially tire pressure change. Yeah, and tires and tires themselves, depending on yeah. whether you go for the track day specials and that sort of thing. We we actually on on this triple car test, we we took them out of the proving ground. We do uh, lap times mm-hmm. in them, which is which is really interesting. Um, and we also do a a burnout test, which is not very empirical but quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> and without again, without giving it away, the 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 wide body just just absolutely rinses that compared with. I'm sure else. that expression rinses that. Yeah, it, it, it wins. <laughs> and Alana Alana Cher was driving the Hellcat, and basically she stopped, and this thing was just going and going and going. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all about what you want because the GT500 is not. It is a muscle car because clearly it's got yeah over 750 horsepower, but it's it's a proper sports car, and I think Ford's done a a, a it, really good job with that. Okay, uh, proper sports car. I I agree with it. It's more muscle than sports car because I just the reason why I'm saying that is because I just picked up. Uh, I've only been driving it for a day. I got the Toyota Supra. Yeah, and it's small and feels like a sports car. And then you know, coming from the auctions and stuff, and looking around at a lot of the old cars that have been going up on the block, 
I look at the size of my Fox Body Mustangs. I even look at the size of my truck, my 95 Lightning. And then I look at the new vehicles and the the Dodge, even the Camaro, even the Mustang, they're huge. They are huge. They're huge by comparison. But look at the new 911. We're talking about 993s yeah. and some of the air cool stuff. They're tiny. You put the new 992, the 992 is huge. And every generation, it gets that little bit wider, that little bit longer. Yeah. I don't know why it's doing that. <laughs> a lot of it's um, a lot of it's safety stuff, to be honest. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of electronics and things that are going in there, and and you're right, there's some safety components uh, to it. And I guess they're saying, hey, if we have to fit this and this and this in there, we might as well take advantage of the larger bodywork and you know widen the track and maybe extend the wheelbase and makes it a little bit smoother ride and like makes a little bit better handling and put a little more tire underneath it. And people. Uh, not in all cases, but people are generally getting bigger. That's right. We've got fat people here as and well. It, it, We've got quite a few. And uh, and if you go back, you know, I be, I just fit in my car. Yeah, in my, I fit that's in the nineties. But yeah. it's uh, I fit in everything. Although I did hit my head getting into the Supra this morning. <laughs> it is. But, it is. But that's one thing I like about the Supra is that it's it's small and actually yeah. it feels agile. And a car I drove last week, which we had had in the office, was a Civic Honda Civic Si. And that was a, a little stick shift, mm. you know, hatchback coupe. Um, you know, the ride quality is pretty stiff. But it was so nice to drive something that wasn't that fast. Good, a really nice gearbox. And it just felt, you know, and actually driving it home on normal roads, you could have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. I drive so much stuff now, which is big, heavy, crazy fast. But you can't, you know, you can't really enjoy in the same way. You know, we've, we've been testing, we've been testing so many SUVs the past few months because they're so popular and yeah. everybody's into them. We get a lot of questions on the high-end ones. Do I buy the Lincoln? Do I buy the Cadillac? Or do I buy the, the, the Honda CRV or the Toyota RAV4? It was nice getting into a proper sports car for once. I mean, you know, it's got... It's got the automatic transmission and stuff in it, but it makes good sounds. Yeah. The eight-speed transmission seems to be shifting in the right places. Uh, it scoots around pretty good. It seems fun. It seems like a fun little car. I haven't really got a chance to open it up just trying to dodge some traffic on my way in this morning, but uh, it it is it is nice. Now, the one thing you do realize right away, you get into the sports car, you're like, where's my giant 12-and-a-half-inch screen? Where's my <laughs> split screen with, yeah. with CarPlay? Where's the baby guy? And, 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 and I was like, it wouldn't fit. You'd have to take out the passenger seat just to put a screen in there. But you realize some of these vehicles, the Ram truck and the yeah. Tesla and, and new Lincoln Navigators and, and you know the screens and stuff in these things, you're like, they wouldn't even fit. They, there, there's no way it would fit in uh Well, we just did a thing on cars. the new Suburban. Oh, yeah. Which I think it's – am I right in thinking this is the 12th generation Suburban? It's basically been around for about 90 years. Yeah. Based on the Silverado, but it's got bigger again. And, it's bigger. And like, I think the interior volume, if you drop the seats, is getting like 200, 200, cubic feet, uh, 200 <laughs> square feet or something. That's like – there's apartments in That's, London that are smaller than that. Yeah, there's – That's there, a hotel room. There's places out here that are about 200 yeah, square feet. and about a million dollars. Yeah. I was uh, – I, I got in the car and I was driving it and um, I got up next to uh, Ford Ranger, the, the four-door all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive version. So it was like a little bit lifted, had a little bit yeah. better tire. And it was a nice blue, and and I'm looking at him like, all of a sudden the the Ranger looks big to me while driving the the Supra, and then I was thinking, oh well, I have a truck, and I was like, I don't, 
I don't think it's as big as a Ranger, as a crew cab Ranger. I mean, you know, his bed's shorter, my bed's a little bit yeah. longer, but uh, uh, I, maybe my truck feels wider than that. But I, it's tough to tell because they're sort of kind of rounded and stuff. Now, I, I it's surprising how vulnerable you feel now as well in some supers. Like when I came over, I had this, I had this romantic image of getting a, a Morgan three wheeler as the kind of eccentric Brit. And I like, yeah, and I test drove one. It's like I'm going to die. This is like <laughs> yeah, worse than a motorbike. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Nobody's ever going to see me, and I'm just going to be, um, I'm just going to be squished at the first, at the first right turn. But uh, uh, look, uh, the Morgan's a pretty car, but it's a very cool thing. But wait till you get run over by a suburban in that thing. Yeah, exactly. I, you're not going to. You're not going to survive. Exactly. It's all bad news. Um, did you guys uh, uh, hear about some news from from CES? Do you have much? I know CES isn't uh, – after the – you know, coming into the new year, CES is always kind of weird timing for yeah. me. I'm, I'm not able to always go. And as much as I love technology, I do see all the cool things. I'm like, oh, this – everything's a smart whatever now and – your refrigerator can talk to your TV, and it can talk to your toilet, and it can talk to your shower. And I was like, it's a lot of talking involved. But uh, it's starting to turn into a little bit of the January car it, show, right? There's a lot of technology coming up. And and I don't know how much you guys got involved with it, but um, the one thing I you probably saw is Sony. Yeah, that was – Sony Sony's gonna, Sony has a car? Th- th- this It was really interesting because that Sony looked – Absolutely. I mean, it looked production ready, right? And, and look, and, that's that was my point. Was uh, just like this wasn't them going, "Hey, we're gonna, hey, big announcement. We're gonna launch an electric car division. We're gonna see you in seven years." They're like, "No, it's done. It's here. It works." It, it was an interesting thing because it was a it, it was designed to display the in car technology yeah. and all the immersive sound and all that sort of thing. But but yeah, you looked at that and you thought, well. Kind of makes sense, Sony doing a car in a way, in that you think about all their mastery of electronics, mm-hmm. and it's a really and there was some really interesting stuff coming out of um, Volkswagen, and a lot of people are talking about Tesla's share price, and you know Tesla. I think this morning I was I was driving in and saw Tesla oh, is now yeah, the, yeah. the second most valuable car company in the world. It passed the hundred billion or something. Yeah, uh, which Trump called them out and said something nice. Which it's kind of you know he's one of his compliments. He was like. They were like, well, what about Elon Musk? He's like, he's good at the rocket building. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Tesla stock jumps. I don't know. I, it's, I mean, it's <laughs> so one of those things where comment. I'm not an analyst, and you and, <laughs> you and I work in the, the work in the car world. So at one level, it sounds nuts. And then I was reading some commentary from Volkswagen's CEO, uh, Herbert Dees, a guy I've met a few times, and fascinating. And he was, he was basically saying, look, the old world of the car manufacturer is kind of over, and now it's it's all about you know how you apply technology and how the, this car interfaces. This is basically a, a cell phone on the move. And he was there was a lot of comparisons with Nokia when the iPhone came out. Yeah. The iPhone comes out, and Nokia had like thirty different phones for thirty different you know for all these different user groups. Mm-hmm. And Apple just came out and said, "This is what you need." Yeah. And there's a you know, and suddenly within what five years, Nokia was pretty much dead. Yeah. Um, oh, I think uh, Microsoft bought them and then gone. Yeah, that probably wasn't the best acquisition. I don't know. Maybe it's one of these where in the, the background Nokia, all the patents are actually really <laughs> making billions. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a really interesting world. And I actually at the weekend I was out uh, shopping for a new car for my wife, mm-hmm. and our BMW i3 is going back. She commutes in Southern California, wants carpool lane access. That means a plug-in hybrid or electric. 
Can and we the, still get that? Can we still get that pass? The carpool, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like just, for, the, for the electric car, can you get you it? You need an EV or a plug-in hybrid. But but not like a Prius, like a new Prius. No, if it's a plug-in, it's yeah. okay. If it's not. Okay. I know for people listening, this is very, this is very local news. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but it was just interesting looking at the market because BMW is coming in with a plug-in. Audi's Q5 plug-in's just arrived. But these things are doing like 20 miles on, on, on electricity. So really, you look at the market and for a – reasonable price still pretty expensive but for like a forty thousand dollar or you know four hundred on a lease the tesla's kind of the only only choice around that market. yes you've got the kids but and the, and the hyundai's but they're smaller you know you understand why they're doing so well in in, in the market and we yeah. might end up i might end up leasing a tesla okay all right but well, my, other half, is, Wait, my I, other half is yet to be fully I, convinced but got, I'm, I'm i'm there i'm nearly there i've got more carpool questions okay okay as far as you know it has to be a plug-in hybrid or full electric, not a regular hybrid. Correct. Is and there it can't a... be a used car because if the person who previously owned it had carpool stickers, you can't get carpool stickers again. Because my thought was I get a used car. And it's not transferable? It's not you... transferable. Okay. It goes with the person, not the car. Is there a minimum a range geek. on that car? Because we've talked about a lot of these plug-in hybrids and I'm trying to find out the strategy it... behind it. What if I get a Range Rover plug-in hybrid that, that, or, that's okay. or Aviator yeah, or the, the, that's Volvo? Wh- that's where it's a nonsense. So, yes, all those cars. There's a list online and all those cars qualify. Okay, because I was trying to figure out the point of the plug-in hybrid SUV that gets – Range Rover. That, that gets just, 13 miles on a charge. And you're lugging around – the extra motor, the extra battery. So yeah. you're looking around it. We've just been talking about it. And the, the whole the, point the of that yeah. is basically just to get in the carpool lane by yourself. Yes. Yes. In your massive $100,000 Range Rover. Yes. And you would never plug it in and nobody would care. No. And in you fact, would just haul batteries around. And in exchange for that, you get to get in the carpool lane by yourself. And feel really smug and self-righteous. <laughs> in, in the Netherlands, uh, in, in, in Europe, they massively incentivize this stuff. And then there was some great statistic came up about how many people actually plugged them in. Yeah, zero. Yeah, zero. is it cl- is it close to zero? <laughs> Pretty much. It's it's basically zero, right? Okay, you guys at Edmonds took your Model Three, you traded it and got a Model Three. Yeah, this is a story that we've got coming out. Um, oh, what can you tell us about? I think it now? we actually said Matt, we weren't going to talk about it until the next year, but we'll we'll get into okay. it another. No, oh, we'll just tease it a little tease bit them. so we can find out where the so we can go to the to uh, it's edmunds.com slash road noise by yeah, the way. For the, it's a great place to get sort of the up to date news on all of this stuff. It is. Um, yeah, we had this idea. We had a Tesla from early 2017 that we bought new, and the residuals on things partly because you you trade them back to most of the time you're trading them back to Tesla. The residuals on these are still strong, and we we've been talking a lot about this mythical um, thirty five thousand dollar. You okay there? Yeah, <laughs> dying. I'm drinking water, and uh, it's going down the wrong tubes. The, the we were talking about this mythic. We talked about this mythical thirty five thousand dollar Tesla. So we were like, right, can we actually get one? And if we can, why don't we trade our twenty seventeen car against it? Well, how much was the twenty seventeen car? So twenty seventeen car started out being worth thirty eight thousand because it was a Forget exactly what we pay for, but today with twenty something thousand miles on the clock, still worth thirty eight thousand. So we then started to look at this thirty five, and you can basically it's like in an out burger. So you can ring up Tesla and say, "I want this thirty five thousand," and they go, "Sir," and, yeah. but actually you can make it, and then you can basically 
almost do like in and out where you're like, I want the barbecue sauce, but can you throw an extra bit of, you know, bit of, bit of onion on that? So we ended up with an absolutely base car, which is white, doesn't have autopilot. Uh, but, Good. But beyond it's the that, safest thing you've done. But, but beyond <laughs> that, he's pretty much a Tesla. Yeah. Oh, it is a Tesla. The range comes down a little bit um, to, to, from 250, I think, to 210. But basically, it's that. And I think by the time you put all the destination, everything else, it works out around 40. But we've paid... We, and we lost the at the end of last year. There was a change in the federal tax, which cost a bit more. But essentially, we paid about four k, and we now have a brand new Model Three. And what we wanted to do was to understand how they've progressed in the production and everything else. And we wanted to tell the story of can you actually buy the thirty thirty five thousand dollar Tesla, and what does that look like? And because you can't find it on the website. You have to go and speak to them. Right. You have to call them. And, and we say, documented the whole thing. It's like, can you actually get this? Yeah. And the reality is, to be fair to them, yes, you can. I'm sure they don't want to sell it. And it was delayed and delayed. And we missed at Christmas, as Christmas passed and 1st of January passed, we missed this like tax credit. So I added an extra 1800 and they refused to discount that. So it's not been a, a perfect process. Yeah. But we have ended up with a new car. Originally, it was supposed to be black, like the old Henry Ford thing. Then it turned out to be white because presumably. Because black costs extra. Maybe white <laughs> is cheaper paint, or maybe they just had more white sitting around yeah. in, in Palo Alto. <laughs> but anyway, the upshot is we have a new Tesla. And it's, we're, we're going to produce a film about the whole process and how it came about. But it's a good story. In fact, it's a great story. Okay. Well, I like it. Did you guys order yourself the Ford Mach E as well? The Mach E is. Uh, I went, as you know, I went and had a look at that in Detroit, yeah, yeah. and I, that's actually been selling pretty well. We would like, you know, well, they said like, that first allocation of like reserves is is sold out. Yeah, now there was they're not actually GTs making that. There. They're not actually making that many. I think they've got certain supply issues with uh, around the batteries and that kind of thing. So that's why you can't lease one, for example. They're just basically saying, well, if we're not going to build many and we're going to sell them all, we might as well make some money. Um, so yeah, that of all the cars that I'm excited about this year, that's that's totally on the list. Yeah. I, I liked it. I thought it would look kind of cool. I mean, I don't care if it's called a Mustang or not. I'm just looking at it for what it is, and as a as an electric car from from Ford. And honestly, a good of, garage, yeah. a good garage would be a GD500 and a Mustang. EV. In Mustang, and, I, yeah, yeah. and you know, a little bit of people probably writing in and saying, "Oh, well, you know, it's not a Mustang." Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's just a nice garage to have. Yeah, that is a nice garage to have. Uh, let me tell you guys about uh, about Geico. Let me ask you this: Do you do you own a home? Do you rent a home? I, 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 I both. Yep. I own a home in London, which I rent out, and I yeah. have to rent here. Well, I bet it's a lot of work. It is. It's falling down in London, but it's a whole <laughs> different story. All right. for well, you know what's easy? It's bundling policies with Geico. You should get some insurance. Do Geico do makes it. Yeah, I don't know. I, we'll find out. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy, and that's a good thing because we already have a lot to do around the home already. And now you're uh, shuffling a baby around, so you don't want to worry about your home. You're going to worry about your baby instead. So go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Is that the one with the little – is it a frog or a little – The lizard. Lizard. Sorry. Yeah. Not a frog. It's a gecko. It's a gecko. It's a gecko. <laughs> gecko. Yeah. Oh, like, Gordon, like, gecko. like Gordon Gecko. Yeah. yeah. There you go, Gordon Gecko. It's like Gordon Gecko. Gordon Gecko, the Geico investor. Um all right. What else? Uh, what else is new at Edmonds? So are you guys kicking off for this year? You must have a lot on the menu for twenty twenty. We have. I mean, we're just just looking forward now. I mean, we sort of go into show season. Geneva's coming up. Uh, then when is that? going to New York. Geneva's beginning of March. Then we go into 
um, New York. I mean, there's a there's a there's a ton of stuff happening, and we're just sort of ramping up. I mean, if you think about the next week, we've got a GLB test with little Mercedes SUV, which you're a big fan of, coming out. We're doing a um, we've got a, a new Telluride on the fleet, Kia Telluride, which we're which we're big fa- big fans of. Uh, Corvette arrives before too long, so there's a lot there's a lot going on. Um, Telluride. We're driving the, the new uh, Boxster with the six with the six cylinder. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. The Telluride is the the Kia SUV that you guys like, but now there's an upscale Genesis version coming out. The GV80. Yeah. What are you expecting for that? Are you expecting it's going to be too much, or are you expecting a a nicer sort of you know Explorer versus Lincoln Navigator it, Aviator? comparison yeah i mean generally genesis and they have the guy behind the styling is a guy called luke donkavolka who did the lamborghinis and his group which is also a fantastic name (laughs) um and genesis generally i think is starting to do a good job their interiors are great their quality is good they desperately needed an suv but of all Mm -hmm. the luxury brands that are kind of in that sort of world where they're not you know, established European brand, or they're not a Cadillac, yeah. but they're trying to make their way through, like Infinity. That they seem to be the guys on the on on the roll at the moment. They de- desperately needed an SUV, uh, but this could be an inter- could be you know could be an interesting thing. We might be having a look at it next week in Miami, and then obviously driving it before too long. Another SUV that I'm I'm super excited about. I'm off to. Um, it's a bit look at me, so forgive me, but I'm off to Namibia in uh, in about three weeks' time to wow. go and drive the Land Rover Defender. Oh, nice. So um, that will be that will be super exciting. Your gig isn't so bad. No, it's it, <laughs> it, it, it's not. Um, I'm flying Air Namibia as well into Frankfurt, which would be quite got quite look look quite entertaining when I looked at the website. But uh, yeah, so you leave the wife home with the baby. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> her mum's coming out. Okay, help. yeah, <laughs> so that, that was the deal. Yeah, is yeah. my can my mum come out? Yeah. Okay, and then uh, but um, no, I mean that that will be. A hugely interesting car. How do you make that call, by the way? Hey, mom, you want to come out to visit? Yeah, I'd love to. Come see the baby. It'll be fun. Yeah. Also, I'm not going to be there. So enjoy. Yeah, those conversations go either way, can't they? <laughs> enjoy that. It's nice. Enjoy a bit trip. of mother-daughter, granddaughter time. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> right. Um, before we wrap it up, tell us about uh, about what's going on with, with Porsche and the Boxster and the Cayman. They don't really call it Boxster and Cayman anymore, do they? Uh, well, I do. they do. Seven one eight Boxster seven one eight. I think everybody ignores the seven one eight bit. We had turbo fours in those for the longest yep. time, except for the GT four, the Cayman GT four, which I liked. I I, I think it maybe rode a little rough, but was, but yeah, but a great performer and it looked kind of badass. And 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 in my book, a a great hundred thousand dollars sports car if you could have bought it for a sticker. Yeah, I yeah, I love those things. Uh, they're very much and the Boxster Spider as well, which is basically the same car without without a roof or similar car. Yeah, so there's been all this controversy around Porsche, and I did the original 718 Boxster launch in, in Europe before I moved to the US. And mm-hmm. the problem with those cars, they're all about that kind of visceral experience. And that four-cylinder turbo engine, they had all sorts of plumbing issues as well, so they were struggling. The 911 with the turbos, they go to a great lens to make sure it sounds good. Yeah. One of the challenges with the Boxster is they just didn't have the physical space to do some of the tricks. So that was an issue, and it just really compromised that car to the point where I just said, well, I'll just buy the previous generation one and get a used one. I wouldn't actually want this car. And unfortunately for them, I think that's been the general consensus of opinion. And when you look at Porsche's sales figures, you know, Porsche now 
sells more, you know, it is a Cayenne and a Macan brand, and yeah. and actually the 911 is the is almost like the halo car, the image leader, and then you know Cayennes, uh, sorry, Caymans and and Boxsters are, are fairly small numbers. But Porsche has listened, and, and people have come out there and just said, we, we want the old six-cylinder back. But what they've done is reintroduce it in the GTS. And the problem is it's $90,000. Yeah. I mean, that's nearly as much as a, as, a, as a base model Carrera. And, you know, you think of a Boxster as being reasonably accessible. For me, $90,000 is not accessible. I'm sure it's going to be great, and we're driving it in Europe in about three weeks' time, I think, alongside the new Macan GTS, which I'm also sure will be, will be a cool thing. It's such a lot of money. Yeah. Plus options, inevitably. How much horsepower do you think it's going to make? It's got about 400. So it's not, it's going to be a nice thing. Yeah. Um, and actually, if you wait three or four years, it's probably going to be an amazing second-hand buy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it will be. Um, all right, we're going to wrap things up, but I'm curious why the move in just the GTS. Is it because they have so much invested in the four-cylinder and the current platform, or they don't want to sort of dilute the value of that platform by doing it across the board? Instead, they make sort of a limited version or special edition? Or Well, they had a GTS, the four-cylinder, which I believe they're not continuing with. So if you bought one of those, you're going to be super upset. Yeah. I don't know. Um, a lot of those guys are going to trade it and get the new one anyway. Maybe, but but <laughs> – yeah, but the Boxster customer, the Boxster and Cayman customer is not necessarily, you know, there's a lot of people stretching to buy those cars. Is that, you know, the 911 yeah. customer is quite different. I think, I think you're probably right. I think it's a cost issue. Uh, it'll be an emissions issue as well. That's particularly important in Europe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was what was driving it in the first place. It was emissions and fuel economy and, and everything else that goes with it. So this is, this is the problem for the industry right now. Everybody, we're talking about cars getting bigger and faster and heavier. Everybody wants that. But at the same time, all the rules and regulations are saying, guys, you've got to, you know, particularly in Europe, I mean, Trump's a bit of a different story over here, but everybody's saying you've got to have plug-in hybrids, you've got to get lighter, smaller, more efficient. So Porsche puts a four-cylinder turbo into it, which has the same performance, but has more more fuel economy and lower emissions. And everybody goes, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming in. Uh, he's Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. Go to Edmunds.com slash road noise and uh, check out the uh, the three-way muscle car drag race. And there's going to be the more extended video and the articles. And On stuff Thursday. Coming. So yeah. I think actually yeah. as this show goes live, that video will be live. So. All right. So as you're listening to this, that'll probably up, be up there. You guys can check that out. So this um, is a 40 minutes. That's the half hour epic. All right. So sit down with your front of TV. Beer, there, wine. there you go. Yeah, on your phone while you're sitting in traffic. (laughs) Um, Check us out at carcastshow.com. Of course, uh, tell a friend. We love a little shout-out on social media. Tell them you listen to the show. You like the episodes with Alistair Weaver. That's what you tell them. Tell everyone. And uh, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Motorator on pretty much everything. And uh, our buddy Goldberg will be back, and I'm sure he'll be curious to find out about about the testing you've been doing on – on his beloved red eye <laughs> versus the GT500 and the and the Camaro, I sent him a tweet about it, and he gave me a little thumbs up. But that was about it. Yeah, it that's wasn't about really it. Biting. Yeah, that's a, that's about it. Uh, he's uh, Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. You can follow Alistair Weaver on Twitter, and you can find uh, Weavometer on Instagram. Follow him. He needs a few more. Go follow him on Instagram. You need a few more. I need some friends. You need some. You need some Insta friends. I, I need some, some real IG friends. friends. <laughs> you need to get up there and uh, and uh, not just baby pics and stuff. That's probably all over your Facebook page now and and 
hitting up from family and everything. Going, yeah, show me pictures of the baby. Show me pictures of the baby. Yeah, some car guys. Get some car guys and girls up over up with all the Instagram is basically car stuff. Yeah, there you go. With the odd baby. Baby in a car occasionally, but but mainly car stuff. Occasionally. Um, All right, we're going to wrap things up. And uh, until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.